Hello, Sac State students, and welcome to another episode of State Hornet Spotlight. My name is Robbie Pierce, your podcast editor, and today I will be interviewing Dan Mead of the Racial Harmony Project. Mead is currently working on a number of events and initiatives designed to increase voter registration and voter education in Sacramento. And for the start of the interview, we're going to talk a little bit about him and his project and how he got involved with it, but the most, the bulk of this podcast is going to be discussing each of the measures and propositions on the ballot next month and doing some light analysis on how they might affect the average Sacramento resident. Note that between myself and me, there is going to be some light editorializing when we are describing these bills. Uh, We both encourage you to check out Ballotpedia, a website that has objective, nonpartisan analysis, as well as official opposition and support arguments for each bill, as well as the State Hornet recently ran a story that will be in the show notes of this podcast and the related on the website, going over the sheer fiscal impact of each bill, regardless of how else it might impact the community. So, without further ado, here is myself and Dan. Hello, Sac State students. My name is Robbie Pierce, your podcast editor. Welcome to another episode of State Hornet Spotlight. My guest here today is Mr. Dan Mead. Would you care to introduce yourself to our audience? Oh, hello there. I'm Dan Mead with the Racial Harmony Project. And uh, we're just out here trying to get people more engaged in the political process and not only vote, but hopefully run in 2022. We want local people to represent their own communities in city council and state assembly and things like that. So let's start right there. Uh, first question would be, wh- why is it important for you to vote? Well, because democracy only works if we have full participation. The only way every voice gets heard is if every voice speaks. So the whole system of democracy is based on fair representation. So if every community is not fairly represented and their interests, then their interests and needs aren't going to be met. Another quick question in terms of people running, um, how if people were interested in running for 2022, let's say have not had any political working Mm -hmm. experience, how would they go about doing that? Okay, well, now we are new to this. We just mm-hmm. we just started doing that. And so I don't know exactly what they do. All I know is I'm going to raise the money for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we, 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 this time, because we just started this in response to George Floyd. Mm-hmm. So before, me and my partner, we, we all our activism and act has been done with the homeless community. So when we got involved with this, with, with the Racial Harmony Project, it was, we want to be the step after the protest. Like, what do we do after the protest to keep change going? And so what we realized is we need, people are disenfranchised from this process. So if we have enough representation and people looking out for you in, who are from your community in government, then we don't have to protest because we're in there. So um, during this part of it, we're just really trying to get people to vote. And so we've been really concentrating on that. And I'm not exactly sure how they sign up yet, but we will be doing that uh, after the November 3rd. So we'll come back and talk about that. Right. So maybe stay tuned for that one. Yeah, for sure. So then another reason why I, why I called you in here today, and again, thank you for making it is just to sort of go through the propositions as well as the major ballot measures. So are there any that jump out to you as the most important to talk about? Um, The most important one right now is measure A. I think that's going to affect most you the most in Sacramento on a daily basis because that's going to almost give all of the power to one person. 
it's, it kind of chips away at the whole purpose of democracy. The whole point of how our city is set up now is so that you need a consensus. You have to agree with the city council. One person can't just come in and decide, well, this is what I want to do. This is in my best interest. And if Measure A um, passes, it's pretty much going to give him complete and total control, whoever's mayor. Now, they have this little carrot, and you have to watch out. Whenever they say something like, you know what, I'm going to give up, I'm going to put term limits on myself. If they're willing to do that as part of the bargaining chip, you need to pay attention because that means they're really going for something big. <laughs> because the joy of that is it says that if this one of the things they try to get you to go for this and pass it is to, they're going to put term limits on himself. But if you read the rest of the bill, he has complete and total powers. <laughs> this one is really important to just keep democracy flowing. So the other two measures here are independent redistricting, timeline exception. Well, measure B, the... The redistricting one, that one doesn't even have any opposition to it. That's really more just that there's not even an opposition to that in the ballot. So that is mainly just so they can not wait till 2024. They're going to make an exception just this one time to go ahead and let the redistricting that they're going to do over the next year qualify for 2022. Um, Because based on the current rules, even though we have the redistricting done in 2021, it wouldn't be valid for the election until 2024. And then what about what about measure C? How do you see this affecting people in Sacramento? Well, now, like most props and measures, it depends who you are. If you're a renter, well, this will be quite helpful to you. If you're a property owner or someone who builds apartments or things like that, it might not be so helpful. Um, I find that a lot of these propositions and measures, what you're kind of deciding between is raw capitalism and compassion. I like to think that we can be in the middle somewhere and have some compassionate capitalism. It's, it's fine to be a capitalist society, but you also have to decide, do we just want to be like blind, like blind raw capitalists? Or do we also want to be good people on some days? Jumping over to the propositions. Now, we actually had a story very recently where we broke down the cost, like the fiscal cost of each proposition. But Mm -hmm. what I want to focus a little bit more on for this podcast is sort of, again, how these might directly affect people. You know, why, what position of life you might be in that might want to make somebody vote yes or no on these. So I think a really big one, probably, probably one of the most talked about propositions is Prop 22. Mm -hmm. Oh, for Uber and all that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Now that is very interesting, isn't it? That Proposition 22. Lots of money is going into that one. Mm -hmm. From one No, I know personally, I... Yeah, I know personally, I've talked to people who are Uber or Lyft drivers, and I, I've, it's, it's like, it feels 50-50. I've had people violently say that they want to be employees. I've had people adamantly say that they want to be independent contractors. It seems to honestly be very split. Now, as someone who is n- not in the rideshare business, and I, I, I won't be particularly affected by this, just reading it and all the money that's, I feel, it feels like Uber and these big corporations are kind of having the best of both worlds right now. Like they get all these employees, they get to make this revenue off of all these people's work, but we don't have to provide insurance. There's no unemployment benefits. Nothing goes into, like you're not getting the basic normal protections you would of any other full-time employment. But I mean, this is why we vote. Because if the people who are actually doing the job are split 50-50, well, that's, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Then some people must feel, but I also think that a lot of people just like to say they don't work for somebody, but you do work for them. And I think I'm voting no on Prop 22 because I feel like 
this is a way for rich people to take advantage of poor people again. That's what I feel like. So, well, sort of like you said, people enjoy liking to say that they aren't necessarily an employee of something. They like the flexibility of being an independent contractor. And I guess it really just depends if you're somebody who uses, you know, Uber and Lyft very sparingly just to pad out extra income, you might prefer being an independent contractor. But I suppose if, if that's your main source of income and you're doing it mm -hmm. 40 hours a week, like it was a job, you'd probably want to be an employee. See, I feel like that's one of those things that they do in these circumstances where they make it sound like you're making this choice that you're not even really making. Like mm -hmm. you would still have, whether or not you're call yourself an independent contractor or an employee, the scheduling would be the same. Like you would still be able just to log on when you want to take rides or log off when you didn't have to. That has nothing to do with whether you call yourself an independent contractor. That's how the app is structured. So you know what I mean? Like they make you think one thing's at stake in the advertising of these propositions and who's you know, a for or against, they make you think one thing is at stake that's not even at stake. We'll see, because I, I know that every time you open up the Uber app, they even have a little thing saying, oh yes, on 22 or else your ride price could increase by this much percent. So I guess, like you said, this is mostly something that the Uber, Lyft, DoorDash driving community will probably mm -hmm. decide for itself. Hopefully yes. everybody does as much research as they can beforehand. Um, are there any other big ones that you wanted to that you want to talk about? I know you said you did some research on everyone. We can go just numerically. Uh, sixteen. That is the um, proposition sixteen reinstating affirmative action. That's right, because in nineteen ninety six, um, a white dude decided that racism was not a problem anymore, and that is how that got banned in California in the first place. I feel like it's the problem has not been solved. And I feel like people still are getting left out in the cold based on that thing. So I don't think it's that bad of an idea to have to have to take that into account. I think an important thing to note with this proposition is that it's not necessarily automatically enforcing affirmative action across the board. It's more that it repeals the proposition the ban. banning it. So it, would yes. allow, it would allow each individual institution to decide if it wants to take affirmative Use that action as process. a factor. Yes. And I think that that's good. So, the other one, I think the other two I think are good are about letting the kids at 17 vote. It's like 18, Prop 18. Probably should have made that one Prop 17. Would have made it easier. Right, for right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, yes. but Prop 18, because I, I'm on, even like Prop 17, which is about restoring the right to vote once you come out of prison, even though you're still on parole. I think that unless your crime has something to do with voting, I think voting is a basic right, like breathing as an American. And I think the more voters, the better. So I'm always for more voting. But just to clarify, so Prop 17 does not actually involve any type of voting while in prison. That's correct. No, no, no. It's just by on parole. Right. Yes. Once you're, because I guess California is one of three states that you have to wait till your parole's over. It's not just once you're out of the actual prison, you have to wait till your parole's over. And we're just lifting that so they can start voting once they're out. And like you said, we're already in the minority of states that have that yes. do not let you vote while on parole. Um, I just don't think unless it, you do a crime that's uh, even, I just, I, I think voting shouldn't be stripped. Mm -hmm. I, unless your crime has something to do with fraudulent voting. Like, I just think it's basic, it's basic citizen right in America, like breathing. And I think democracy doesn't work unless every, there has to be as much participation as possible. Uh, so on Proposition 18 that you just mentioned, so this mm -hmm. is, Proposition 18 would allow 17-year-olds to vote in the primary election and any special elections if they turn 18 by the time of the next general election. So like if they had turned 18 on November 2nd this year, 
if they turn 18 on November 2nd, 2020, they could have voted in this primary, even though they were 17, because by the time the election came, they would be 18. But then, so now, interestingly, this wouldn't really go into effect until like the 2022 midterms, probably. For sure. But yeah, like you said, this is one of those things where you know, voting is a basic right. People ought to have their voices heard. Uh, yeah. The only real opposition to this is that we did see in that, that story I mentioned earlier about costs, that this would lead to a lot of increased payroll, admittedly. Mm -hmm. But um, outside of that, I, I think practically, I think there's very little reason to not have this passed. It would also help young people get more engaged earlier on. Oh, this is another one that I think is really important, actually, is Preposition 20. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like these are the kind of laws that, well, it's this really weird thing where they're going to make some things, they're going to change what a violent offense is, and, and then some things are going to be wobblers. So sometimes you can decide if they're a misdemeanor, and you can decide if they're a felony. Mm -hmm. Those are usually right. the kind of laws that end up poorly for communities of color. Because usually when we wobble, we decide for white people, they're a misdemeanor, and for non-white people, okay. it's a felony. So, and again, the effect of this bill is that Proposition 20 would allow felony punishment for shoplifting, basically. It says mm -hmm. certain individuals who steal or shoplift property worth less than $950, it would increase the list of crimes for which parole is just automatically denied. And also the, the third point of this proposition that I, I sort of read and honestly didn't fully understand, but just sort of had this guttural, I don't mm -hmm. think I want that reaction. Yeah, this is a bad idea, uh, yeah. Yeah, it would require state and local law enforcement to collect yeah. DNA samples from adults convicted of certain misdemeanors. No, that sounds frightening, doesn't it? I just, I just don't know how much I like that one. I don't want to no. have to give a blood mm -hmm. sample. Because you shoplifted? <laughs> Unwillingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. And they're saying if you steal a candy bar now, we can decide that's a felony and ruin your life forever. Because I feel like yes. this is we're going out of our way to suppress certain communities here. Cause you know, as well as I do that this will fall disproportionately on communities of color. This is how they, this is, this is what institutionalized racism looks like. Let's make it easier to get into prison and harder to get out. I think, I, I think another thing just really quick before we leave proposition 20 is that um, as, as somebody who just got out of working retail, I know that whenever you bring up the subject of shoplifting people, they just, they just get so upset. They get so upset at the idea of shoplifting. They act like it's just an utter crime against humanity. But it's like, guys, come on. It's the, the stuff is totally insured. It doesn't affect anybody's bottom line, really. I'm I am I'm I continue to be baffled by how upset some people get over shoplifting. And I think that that is a deep inherent bias that people have because they've in their mind they've already decided what the shoplifter looks like. So now what? Do you know what exactly is the difference between Prop 21 and Measure C? Because both have to deal with rent control. The measures are all local. Like those are all Sacramento specific. So Sacramento County, 21 is statewide. Again, on that thing, like it just depends like whose side you want to, who you're worried about. Are you worried about the people who own the properties and the property owners? And are they going to be able to make their money? Because then 21 is not that great for them. But if you're thinking about that single mom who's just trying to stay in her apartment and you're yanking the rent up every couple of years just because you can, that's not cool either. It's not even making rent control like across the board. Like there's a lot of loopholes in, even in this one. Like if you just have two properties, it doesn't mean you. If you're just some mom and pop with a rental, you're not going to get it. If it's, if it's less than 15 years old, that's not on it either. 
So this isn't even like an across the board kick in the gut to property owners. Right. Yeah. It allows cities and counties to set how much landlords can charge new renters when they move in, as long as they allow landlords to increase rent by 15% over the first three years. So there will still be some rent increases. It allows local governments to establish rent control on residential properties over 15 years old. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you're a new developer, it's 15 years before they can put any restrictions on you. You know what I mean? That's not that terrible. Right. We'll probably see a lot of new developments if this does pass. So you have 15 years to do your money grab as hard as you can, and then you got to chill out a little bit. I think there's a couple props we haven't talked yet, but I think these are ones that we can kind of burn through. Like, I mean, for example, Prop Proposition 14 is $5.5 billion in bonds to support an well, existing program that funds stem cell research. So, I mean, the yes would be if you, if you think that's a worthy use of money, that would be yes. If you think that the money could be better spent elsewhere, or if you happen to be opposed to stem cell research, that would probably be a no for you. Prop 15, business property taxes. Prop 15 okay, would increase so that property one taxes. For schools, mm -hmm. right? So this is property, Proposition 15 would increase property taxes on owners of commercial properties worth more than $3 million to provide funding for schools and local governments. It would not affect residential taxes. Exactly. So again, we have to, uh, compassion, or are we going to protect that rich guy again? <laughs> <laughs> and the other interesting part about Proposition 15 is that it also, it says it reduces property taxes on non-real estate properties, such as equipment and furniture. So if you're a business owner, it almost sort of seems like this is just consolidating your taxes to where you're paying less on some other things, but then some more on your real estate rent. Yes. And if you're a small business owner, like it says, if you have less than $3 million a year or of, of assets and less than 50 employees, then you don't even, aren't even going to get this tax. So this is really... Again, they're trying to only tax people who can afford it, who aren't maybe being taxed fairly currently. Which really ought, ought, ought to be the goal. I don't think, I think there's very few people that want to, you know, war hawk against small business. <laughs> yeah, no, because we need them. And you can't be all compassion or there won't be any businesses. Like you have to give them, you know, you have to give them some leeway to be able to make money and have some sort of incentive for building their business in California and all that stuff. So it is always walking a fine line. That's why mm. um, I don't ever usually talk about what I vote. What we really want to encourage is like people to go use Ballotpedia, which is really nonpartisan and tells you just kind of both sides, who's for it, who's against every issue. Because there's good and bad reasons to vote yes or no for all of these. You just kind of have to go through and do the research and see what speaks to your life. Like what is going to, how, what's going to work for you best? Because if you're, a, if, like I said, if you're a carpenter or a house builder, this is probably going to make people build less because there'll be less money in it. So they might say, no, thank you to that. That's why it's important mm -hmm. for people to go find out for themselves. Uh, so we got three left here. We can see if any of these jump out. Proposition 23 is a dialysis clinic requirements. Requires a doctor on site at dialysis clinics during all treatment hours. Um, okay, that one, I totally just had to go with who supported it but, and who didn't because I don't, I don't know anything about that. I, I, I even read it and I don't have kidney problems or dialysis. So I just voted what my party was going to vote on that one because I don't feel like I have a dog in that race. I feel like I'd kind of want at least one doctor on site at all times at, at any clinic. They don't necessarily have to be open 24 hours, but I'd, I'd hate to walk into an open hospital and you tell me there are no doctors there. However, uh, looking at the official opposition arguments to this bill, they mentioned that it could potentially increase healthcare costs and it could also take dialysis physicians away from general hospitals. 
Supporters include an Oakland, California Medical Workers Union. Opponents include the California Medical Association, so opinions appear to be split on this one. Uh, Prop 24, increased data privacy. Okay. That's also, like, I keep reading that one over and over again because that seems like a no-brainer. Like, yes, right? I think on the surface, it just seems like another, is this the best place to spend the money? Where that, it, essentially... Because I, I personally feel like in my short history as a voter, a lot of these, you know, approve however many dollars in bonds or afford mm. however many dollars to this organization. It really just comes down to, is this the best use of that much money? And that's the yes or no. I think if this is what it says on its surface, I think our privacy does need a lot of protection right now in this kind of age. I just don't, mm -hmm. I feel like this is going to be used to open some other back door that's that we can't quite see right now. <laughs> So, but I did end up, yes, because I do think it's worth the money to protect our privacy. I don't really know how well you can really protect anyone's privacy at this point, though. Yeah, that's, I, I, I feel like privacy has sort of become this thing that we've sort of stopped caring about just because it's really hard to, where every single service has its own list of conditions and terms. And I don't know, but I, I honestly predict this bill passing by quite a bit. I don't, I can't think of that many people who are going to say no to privacy. Oh, I think it's going to, I mean, I think it's going to pass too, because like I said, because on the surface, when you just read it, it's one of those no brainers where you're like, well, yeah, I would like my privacy mm -hmm. protected, but I don't know. All right. Proposition sure. 25. The last one for us to talk today is replacing cash bail. Prop 25 would eliminate the cash portion of bail and replace it with the risk assessments, court hearings, or automatic release. I agree with, I, I'm total, I'm a big yes on this. I'm a hard yes on this. Again, I don't think the justice system should be different for you if you're rich. Because mm -hmm. this is, if you can afford bail and you are Jeffrey Epstein, who's done horrible things, if you could afford that bail, you're out. Meanwhile, if you're one of those dudes who gets that felony charge for the shoplifting and you can't afford it, you're in jail for a year just waiting for your trial. Mm -hmm. Because you can't afford... The that's so I think that's not a fair system. You shouldn't be able. It shouldn't be easier for you to navigate because you can write a check. That's mm -hmm. not justice. Right. And and two two points about the two important points about this proposition. It doesn't mean that people who are put in a position where under the current system they'd be eligible for bail, they just get automatically released. Um, they might still be detained for a while. It it says risk assessments, court hearings, and automatic release. So there's still that potential to sort of. I guess literally get out of jail free, but it also depends on the crime. Yes. And so like it'll stop having where that guy who was a shoplifter has to sit in prison for a year waiting for his shoplifting trial. Mm -hmm. That's not even good for us as a society. As a taxpayer, mm -hmm. do we really need to pay to house someone for a year who stole some gum? Like really? <laughs> like... Right. Yeah. That's the other thing I wanted to bring up at this bill is that I'm also, I'm looking at, uh, that story I mentioned on the fiscal assessment of these bills, and mm -hmm. they actually said that in this will probably save us one a of ton the, of money. Yeah, the the experts that were so the, this article was covering an event where some policy analysts actually had a virtual event at Sac State and talked about the fiscal impacts of these bills. And the experts said, "quote In terms of the county jail costs, it would be a decrease, possibly in the high tens of millions of dollars annually." For so. Sure. I guess we might lose a little bit of short-term money in rich people posting bails for your, their DUIs and such, but overall, the money we save. 
again, there's just everybody, every one of these, like if you a bail bonds, bail bondsmen, I'm sure they're very much against this because I'm sure that's going to hurt bail business quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could be one of uh, uh, maybe a law like this might even take a lot of those people out of business. So I imagine if you're a bail bondsman, you're like, no, no, no. That's why everyone has to investigate these for themselves and see mm-hmm. what is working for them. And you can't just do what I say or what you say because what works for you or me might not mm-hmm. be what works for, for someone else. That's why it's really important that everyone does their own homework. Democracy is a duty, children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Right. And that that is sort of this the point of this podcast is to sort of do some light analysis on these bills but then obviously like dan just said we would also encourage you to do some research beyond this podcast um i mean as as your podcast editor i'd be honored if you just listened to this and immediately went to the polls but i don't think that would be very smart of you to do i think you should not have any any one piece of media should not be your end-all be-all for research absolutely not even the ones you agree with that's Mm -hmm. the most dangerous Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I agree. All right. So that's 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 all the measures. That's all the propositions. So uh, before we end for today, Dan, was there any uh, any project you got going on that you wanted to talk about? Yes, uh, the Racial Harmony Project, in partnership with our other organizations, uh, Feed Sacramento Homeless and Trunkful Miracles, we will be having the Your Vo- Voice Your Vote rally on the west steps of the Capitol on Sunday, November 1st uh, at noon. And it's going to be a celebration. We're going to educate people on some on some props and some measures. We're going to have a lot of speakers. We have an Olympian that's coming to speak. Uh, formal, mainly, we're having mainly all women speakers as of now. But the whole point is for everyone to get together, to be educated, to be uplifted, and to be excited about going to the polls on Tuesday. So join us down there at the Capitol West Steps on Sunday, November 1st at noon. By any chance, do you know what uh, sport the Olympian did? Softball. I didn't track the field in high school, so I was just curious. Softball. <laughs> she okay, was on the USA <laughs> softball team. All right. So, again, Dan, thank you for coming today. I appreciate it. Okay, good. Well, I hope I feel like I hope I was learned enough <laughs> for what you needed. <laughs> no, I think, th- I, think this, I think this was good. I think this was good. 